God, we are grateful that we can bring our requests and make them known to you. Um, and God, a lot of these things are things that we can't change. You know, we, we aren't able to heal our family and friends. We don't, we don't have that ability, but God, we're grateful that you are a God who does, you know, you do heal. God, you intercede on our behalf. So God, we pray that you would remember these that are, that are, that have health issues, God. And uh, we pray for Riley's dad and Mark Trotter and Cheryl Miles and and all the people I am forgetting. We pray for those that aren't here with us, that, that we want to be, God, that that, um, that reunion would be swift. And then, God, we do ask that you would, God, work through these upcoming events. We don't want to be building a house in vain. And if you don't help us, God, that's exactly what we're doing. So we invite you to be a part of everything we do when we ask it. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we have a couple more extra announcements. One, Arts and Crafts Day, February 13, 2 to 4. This is going to be the next one. Um, this is kind of an important screen to look at because we need you guys to sign up. If you notice here, sign up is required. That's something that, that you guys really want to do all right. So make that a priority. That's going to be an awesome time. Um, if you can make it to that, man, that's going to be great. And then the other announcement is on the praise team. If you are interested in being a part of FOI Praise, in making sure that DC talk is never again played. Um, you too can, like, only you can prevent DC talk. Um, we practice on Saturday afternoons, but we, we are, that is an open invite to you. If you're interested in becoming a part of the praise team, this is something that we want you guys to, to come to, right? And we'll, we'll practice right before the, the Kaya praise ministry practices. So there's no conflict. So, hey, if God's talking to your heart, Man, you should probably listen to him is all I'm saying. Um, you guys ready? Ready to get into it? Light and darkness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Took like 40 minutes on that slide. Um, so, Jonathan, we both love our mom, right? Yeah. I love, I love my mom. She's pretty great. Jonathan didn't respond as strong as I hoped. Um, my mom's awesome. My mom is one of those people that has the ability to get your attention and, and you, it is very hard to ignore her, so to speak, right? So even as a grown-up, I thought moving away, getting married, that that would be solved and that's not the case. Um, what'll happen is, is my mom will send a text or something and, and Renee and I will be having dinner or watching a movie and the phone is down and I just hear it go off and I don't really think anything of it. And then Renee's phone will go off and it's the vibrate, it's the zzz, and we're like, probably the Kaya WhatsApp chat talking about banana bread again you know like we're not really we're not really worried about it um but then if my mom feels like she's being ignored she'll suddenly like amp it up so then like my phone starts ringing renee's phone starts ringing the computer goes off and there's like facebook messenger and whatsapp and i'm getting emailed and the knock at the door and jesse's there with a handwritten envelope and i'm like all right i got it. okay yes mom what is it and i i open it and i'm like yes i can make it for dinner on on sunday um I've felt a little bit like that. The last person not named Andrew to talk to you guys as FOI was actually Taylor two weeks ago um, because Andy, is, Andy shared this testimony. Andrew Ron gave announcements. There's way too many Andrews in this group. Um, but if you remember, two weeks ago, Taylor gave a message from Psalm 78. It was titled The, Pray, the Power of Praise and Testimony. And this, this stood out to me because I had been going through old messages. And, and the one I had gone through right before that was from Dan Renault, December 15, 2019. And, and guess what passage is from? Did I have it up there? 
Psalm 78. That's the exact passage that he was talking about. And I was like, okay, that's something. The phone's going off a little bit. But then as I continued my daily reading, I kept seeing this concept of, of testimony. The word kept showing up. I, I was reading the, the end of Acts, right? And if you guys know, the last eight chapters of Acts is basically Paul. This microphone's going to be really hard for me. Just, could I have to stand here? Can I just talk loud? They have the mic online. Can I just talk loud? Is that okay? All right. That way I don't have to. That's totally a distraction for me. I'll speak loud. Um, anyway, where was I? Last half of Acts. That's Paul, and Paul was imprisoned, and, and he was talking in front of people. And because I have the word testimony on all of your brain, you can guess what happens. Anytime Paul is put on trial, he stands up there and he starts with his testimony. Okay, so the phone's going off. The door is ringing. Jesse's there. I'm like, all right, God, what, what is it about testimony? Um, and I started, and, and you know, at that same time, we were prepping for this fourth and fifth grade retreat, which is where we have 20 fourth and fifth graders stay over at Renee and I's house. And we got no sleep, but what we were looking at for that retreat is light and darkness. And what God did to me is he, is he tied together testimony and light and dark. And then not only that, guys, but Andy's testimony, the thing he said tonight, was actually a really good example of this. And when Andrew was talking about light and darkness, that's a really good example of this. So, man, it might be something we ought to pay attention to. The, uh, the thing I have on the slide back there is, is as I was going through Dan Renault's message, a couple of his key points really stood out, and, and we're going to build off of that. But the key point that I put up there is, is his first key point on December 15, 2019, and he said that we often trade the beautiful story of the Word of God for a textbook of instructions. We trade the beautiful story of the Word of God for a textbook of instructions. And then the issue that he identified right after that is to say the old man must hear and receive the testimony of God before they can be disciples by the instruction of God. We're going to talk about testimony and light and darkness today, all right? I'm going to pray again for us, see if we can't receive it. Um, God, we need your help. We need to be able to understand what you're saying to us through your word, and, and we cannot do it. Our, our flesh is going to get tired and distracted, and we're going to think about cars breaking down and all kinds of things. So, God, we're asking for your help. Help us to get what you have for us. That is what we desire is to strengthen our relationship with you. And, God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so our main passage, we're going to bounce off of Luke eleven thirty three through 36. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Luke eleven. 33 and 36. This is pretty familiar. With the kids, this, this was a really familiar passage because this is where we get that song, This Little Light of Mine. Right? How many of you guys grew up in church and know the song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This, yeah, you guys know it, right? We can do the whole thing. It's got like 30 verses now, though. If you go on YouTube, it's really long. Um, but this is where that comes from, right? It, it's talking about a candle, and this is the light um, and so let's go ahead and start in verse one. I'm going to introduce the key point, and then we're going to walk through it. That's how we're going to work today. So the first verse is, is Luke 11:33. It says, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, putteth it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. The point we're going to look at is our true testimony is not something we say, but rather something we live to glorify God. It's not a life story, but rather a lifestyle, okay? Um, and this, this is worth explaining, so let's go ahead and look into, the, into how light fits into this and how the candle fits into this first. 
Okay, so this verse is, is talking about candles, and it has weird King James words like bushel that we don't use a whole lot these days. I don't know how many of, of us on our daily life say, hey, would you pass me that bushel? I think a lot of people would, would be kind of confused about that. And like, isn't that a president at one point? Um, so just to explain it, right, I, I, I brought some props. But the candles of the time were not like the candles that we have today. We've got these little candles, and we use them mostly for, like, scents, right? We, we want our candles to make the room smell really nice. I have nowhere but hide, a hiding place for the candle, I realize, which is not biblical. So we're going to use a chair. Um, candles of the time, they weren't used to make the room smell like apples or cherries or anything like that, but rather they were used pretty much exclusively for light. Not only that, they were kind of expensive too. They were made of, of a, a wick that was dipped in some kind of oil and then wrapped in, in generally animal fat. So if you walk into a room and it smells like apples, it's not a candle. Um, in fact, the candle would smell a lot more like, you know, something savory. Like you walk in and you're like, is that, are you cooking steak? And like, no, nah, it's just a candle, right? <laughs> That's kind of what they were. Not everyone could use those. And they were generally just used at night for emergencies. Right? That, was, that was the case. It was if you, or if you, if you were wealthy, you could use it to write things or to, to get to your bed so you don't hit your shin on the coffee table. All right, That's the way that they were used during this time. And whenever we see this verse and, and, and whenever we grew up singing that song, we think, oh, hey, that light, this little light of mine, that's talking about Jesus, right? This little, I don't want to hide Jesus under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. We don't let Satan blow out our little Jesus, right? We're going to let it shine. Do you not want me to light that? Was it? I'm going to put it over there. We're going to find a place that's not a bushel for this. All right. So we're going to light this. This is a, is a tiny candle. It's going to be our example. And the reason I'm lighting it is because I want, I want to show you what happens when you put a bushel over it. A bushel during that time was a little jar and it was usually made of clay or sometimes wood, which is sketchy with fire. But I have mine made of clay, and it would hold like fruits or beans or something like that. So if you put a bushel over a candle, you guys know what's going to happen. Sorry for you online people. I've got a candle. I'm going to put the bushel over it. We can wait a couple seconds, and then you look into it, and the, the candle's gone out, right? Is this magic to anyone? Are you guys all familiar with candles? The fourth and fifth, the fourth and fifth graders were like, "Wow, oh my gosh, where did it go?" Like looking in their pockets for the fire. Um, we compare the light to Jesus, and, and that's totally right, right? John 1, 4 is talking about Jesus. It says, in him, in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The light that we get from Jesus, that's the light that the Bible's talking about here, the new life that we have in Jesus. Um, but let's check out the verse again, because I think there's something there that a lot of us miss. I think a lot of us, when we read this verse, we read, no man should, when he hath lighted a candle, put it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick. We read that like an instruction, like we've got this light in front of us, and I really shouldn't put it under a bushel because the bushel will put it out. Or if the bushel's made of wood, it will grow into a much larger candle that's not sustainable. I think a lot of us look at this and we, and we think, you know, if, if you've got a candle, you don't want to put it in a secret place. You want to put it in the main room. But it, what it says is no man, when he lights a candle, does this. It'd be the equivalent of, of, of me saying, when you go to lunch and you go to your favorite restaurant, an Indian place, and you get kurikura, whatever you're getting, you get your food, you don't throw it in the trash can. 
I don't need to make a little song about that. When you go and get your lunch, don't throw it away. That song doesn't exist because we don't have to be taught and reminded that we have to keep our food on the table and eat it. This was a time that those people that were lighting candles, they didn't have to be told to hide it. To, to not hide it, right? They didn't have to be instructed where to place the candle. It's saying that this doesn't happen. People don't do this. And what we're going to look at is whenever we have Christ and when we have the life of Christ, which is the light inside of us, hey, guess what? We're not actually getting that to hide it. This is less of an instruction on what to do with the light and more of a definition of what happens when we get the light. It's not hid. You don't get the light of Christ and hide it under a bushel. It doesn't really happen. This, this is where we go back to that word testimony that, that Dan was talking about. Um, we're going to take another look at it and, and how this testimony, the testimony that we have, is going to be like the light, the life that we have in Christ. So I did a short study on testimony, and there's a bunch of interesting things you can look at, but what we're basically going to look at the main things is one, the definition. A testimony, we think of it often, we use it this way, and it's not bad, as a story that we tell of how we came to Christ. Uh, in the New Testament, this word is also used for evidence or proof. A testimony would be something that you would use in the court of law, right? It, it would be a, a witness that would come in and give a testimony to make sure that you are not in trouble, right? So, hey, no, he couldn't have robbed that bank. We were at home watching The Mandalorian or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's a testimony that it serves as evidence. The passage we can use is John 3, 32. Uh, it says, when he has, and, and what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth. In this case, no man receiveth his testimony. But we can see that a testimony is something that you can see and something you can hear. All right? Does that make sense? We tell the story all the time in front of people, the story of our relationship with God. Psalm 78 says it is important. It puts it even before the instruction in Psalm 78. We've heard it preached a couple times, and, uh, a couple times you know. Um, so, man, this is, this is a, a vital thing that we get because our testimony is much more than just a story. It's a statement and evidence to God's work in our lives. So here's what I want us to think about. Let's do a little mind exercise. Um, our testimony, our lifestyle, the, the evidence of our lives, it's compared to a light in the Bible. If we... You guys getting this? Are we making this? Do I need to talk more about testimony? We're going to move on. If we have our light, which is the life of Christ inside of us, it should really easily be seen. It shouldn't be something that we have to, to explain to people that we do. Now, testimonies are awesome. There's a reason we're bringing people up every Thursday night to share their story. But the reason actually isn't to glorify the people themselves. The reason isn't for them to stand up and tell everyone and say, hey, guess what? I'm a Christian. Okay, cool. The reason we have testimonies is because what they are is evidence that God, the almighty God of heaven and earth, is at work in humanity. And not only is he at work in humanity, but he is in the work of the people in this room. Man, how exciting is that? Imagine if we all got excited about that and the light that is in Christ decided to shine inside of us. How, how bright would that be if every one of us were a candle, a light of that? And, and we don't actually have to imagine too far. The Bible talks about it. Matthew 5, 14 says, ye are the light of the world. And then interestingly, it says, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. 
When you get people together that are walking in Christ's light, they have Christ's life shining through them. Hey, you cannot actually hide that. You don't put that under a bushel. You don't put that in a secret place. That shows up. That's, that's what we want our testimony to be, is the light of Christ. So our, our first key point was that it's, man, it's, it's a life story. It's not a life story, but rather a lifestyle. The second key point we're going to look at um, is what prevents that. Because that verse about the city on a hill that cannot be hid and the life-changing power of the gospel on full display, if you guys look around at most churches, that's not the, uh, the story that we see, Right? The, if, if you go to a church, you don't generally see that. But that our, our second key point, I guess, which is that our lives cannot shine with God's light if we have any earthly idols. The verse says, the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. There's a couple of things we got to define. There's some King James speech, and especially if English is not your first language, that can be tricky. So um, the first thing we're going to look at is the light of the body is the eye. This isn't saying that your eyes are going to glow in the dark or, or shine or anything like that, but rather it's, it's saying that just as you cannot see a room without light, your body cannot see the room without your eyes. It's, it's a similar vein to Psalm 105, which says the word is a lamp unto my feet. It's not like the Bible is, is physically shining a light, but rather it it illuminates our path. The light of the body is the eye. Wherever our eye is looking, that determines our path. And that's why it says, therefore, if thine eye be single, thy whole body also is full of light. Because if you're going down a path that's full of light, that's, man, you are going to be full of light. And so, and again, the eye being single, that's not the whole eye patch. It's not super holy to have only one eye or to have your eye's relationship status be, be single. Rather, what that means is that your eyes are, are single focused. When, uh, when we are absolutely set on the light of Christ, 100%, then we're full of light. Here's the scary part, is the rest of the verse. It says, but when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. When thine eye is 100% set, when it's single, when it has one single focus, you're full of light. And then it, the opposite of single focused is when your, when your eye is evil. Okay, what this is saying is that if you are, are not singly focused on the word of God, on Christ, if you have any other priorities or any other life focuses, it's not just that you're somewhat evil. It says thy body also is full of darkness. And we say, well, okay, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. What about compromise? What about all things in moderation? What about half and half? Or what if I'm 90% holy? See, we like to go ahead to the next slide. We love to think of life as, as this. It's a, a really satisfying to look at gradient, right? And you've got over here, you've got evil. And we know evil things exist. That's black. That's darkness, right? Uh, darkness and light, this, this battle. And we think, you know, I can have a good testimony. I can shine God's light if I'm like here. Or maybe you've had a rough past and you're like, I'm doing pretty good to even get here. Or like all the way over here. Those, we know those are the bad guys, the ones that like, kick puppies and steal food from children. You know, like those are the bad guys. But I'm, I'm probably here. I, I, I mean, a white lie is not going to hurt anyone. And we put ourselves here. Uh, here's the issue is that this is actually not how God sees it. Uh, it's, it's a little different. Hit the next slide real quick. It's a hard line. 
This is thine eye is single, 100% focused on Christ, and this is everything else. It's not my words that's saying that. Luke 16, 13 says that no servant, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. And it tells you, you cannot serve God in mammon. You cannot serve God in any other idols in your life. It cannot be done. James 1.8 says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. When you're trying to serve two masters, you become incredibly unstable. Joshua 24.15. This is, we've just went through the book of Joshua. This is after the Israelites won, right? They got the new land. How exciting is that? They did a great job. And Joshua tells them an instruction. He's not congratulating them, but rather he instructs them and says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And then he gives them the other option. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What this is painting a picture of is that you cannot half-heartedly serve God. You can't do it. It cannot be done that you have God and you're serving God. And yet you're also selfishly living a, a different life where you have a bunch of other priorities. Man, praise the Lord. Jesus paid for our sins. We don't have to live a perfect life to go into heaven and to have a relationship with him. But if we want to have that testimony and that life in our light, the, the light in our life that shows forth how great God is and that he is still moving amongst humanity, we cannot have any other priorities besides God. We're supposed to be the new creature serving the Lord. The light on the hill is not you saying something as a testimony, but rather you living something as evidence of God's hand at work on this planet. The, the next part, though, I, I think most of us that have grown up in church have heard that probably a few times. I mean, it's the all-in message, right? We get that quite a bit. Every, every mission focus, there's the whole, like, are you going to be all-in? And everyone's like, yeah, I'm going to be all-in. And we all say that and nod, and it's kind of, it's kind of an abstract thing. Um, the next verse is kind of scary because it, it makes that statement of I'm going to be all in a little bit harder. Um, Luke 11.35 says, Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. The key point is that if we don't watch out, we will miss the opportunity to glorify God, to glorify Christ. Uh, the two things we're going to look at here. The first part is this says that we're supposed to take heed. Watch out. The second part should actually terrify us a little bit. Because it says that the light that is in thee be not darkness. You know what that means? That the light that is in some of us is darkness. And then it says watch out for that. Uh, if we were eating dinner tonight and it's all fantastic. And he says, hey, watch out. Some of this is poisoned. Yeah, I mean, half of us would probably still eat it. But there would be a lot of hesitancy. We would be looking at this like, whoa, it, really? You know, that, that would beg a, a second look. So if I say, hey, the light of some people here in this room is darkness. A lot of us are going to say, glad it's not me. But look around. Who is it then? There exists light that is darkness. That's a scary, scary thought. And then it says, take heed, watch out. You don't get to exempt yourself from being careful of this. 
uh, you, you see the testimony that we have, whenever we think of it as a story, I'm, I'm afraid that sometimes it might just be a story. It's a story that we tell others about how we came to know God and how our lives have changed. And, and we don't realize while we're even telling it that that's actually a story that we're telling ourselves. Because there's no real evidence. There's not a whole lot of fruit. We're not shining the light of Christ on a hill that cannot be hid. If we can hide what God is doing in our life, then we have to look at it and say, man, is, is this light that I have real? I think some of us are doing that, probably in this room. The reason I think that is because I grew up in church and I did it for 15 years. I was 11 years old when I went on my first missions trip. I preached for the first time in front of a group of 35 at 11 years old to a group of, of the, the kid town of El Salvador. Right? I went on a missions trip every year minus a couple throughout my entire middle school. I started Bible studies in middle school, in high school, in college. I, I had like I was that kid that had the list of all the good things to do. And then I would check those things off the list every day. I'd wake up, read your Bible, check it off. Pray, check it off. Study school, check it off. I, I did the whole full ride thing. You know, you know, Andrew was talking earlier. I'm like, dang, but I already wrote it down. So I have to say it a little bit like Andy. We, I, I did the thing where I uh, was doing good at all of the right things. And I wasn't even doing all the bad things on top of that. I was pretty proud of myself. And if anyone would have asked me and said, Andrew, are you shining the light? I'd be like, yeah, check it out. Bible study, every, every school that I've gone to, I've started a Bible study. I'm at missions stuff three or four times a week. And, and man, I'm doing all the right things. God provided a full ride to UMKC. I, but when I did get a job, it was one of those fancy jobs. I was like, going to be a millionaire one day. And I, was, I had dinner with the vice president of Chick-fil-A and the president of H&R Block. And like $400 plate type stuff, crazy life. And I was like, yeah, I'm doing this for the Lord. Okay. Um, what should have clued me in is that it was actually pretty miserable. Uh, I hit my sophomore year of college. At this point, I was, I was sitting on city council meetings as the student representative. I was meeting with the dean regularly of the block school and in H&R block. I, I had meetings with him. Um, one, one of the next rising stars or whatever that's supposed to be. We went to a fall retreat and the message was on fruit and discipleship. And, and the, the call was given, says, hey, if you look at your life, look at the fruit that you have behind you. When you get into heaven, look at the people that you're bringing along with you. And man, that's how we determine our success. And I, and I did one of those mental turnarounds where I looked and I didn't see anything but checklists of things that I'd done good. I didn't see anybody behind me. Outside of a few select times in my life, I'd just been doing good things. And I didn't actually have the light of Christ shining that made it undeniable that the God of heaven and earth works among humanity. I was just a guy who was good at things. I was pretty miserable. It was actually Andrew Rong. I don't know if you remember that. But I prayed with Andrew Rong that time. And I said, hey, I don't, I'm not making disciples, man. I'm not actually counting for the kingdom. We're going to get into heaven. And I'm going to be really proud until I get there. You know what I mean? Um, it was, it was a, a tiring thing. I was pretty miserable. And, I, and, I, and all the good things I was doing and all the bad things I wasn't doing wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't seeing any, and, and, and more importantly than not fulfilling, you know, there, there was no impact of my life on eternity. There's a lot of programs, a lot of things that could be said. 
but the light that was in me was darkness because when I woke up in the morning, I read my Bible and I checked it off the list. And I prayed and I checked that off the list. And then I moved to the next thing. And I never went back to the Bible or prayer because it was just another thing on the list. Even if it was the top, it was just something else I did. If we're not careful, the ministry that we're doing, the Bible that we're reading, can be just a book of instructions. And we miss the beautiful relationship of God that lets us shine light and have an impact on the world around us. I, uh, it wasn't an immediate change. There were times Andrew Ong helped walk me through, said, hey, if you, if you want to make disciples, you have to free up more than just the 30 minutes a week, you know, 30 minutes a day. You have to, you have to invest in it. And so I dropped out of all those school things. Um, when I got a job, I was working the 80 hours a week. That's, that's when all the fancy meetings with presidents and such, or presidents of corporations and stuff happened. Um, had another conversation. It was a similar vein. Man, what, what are you willing to give up? And every, and every time I, the, I came to one of those questions, this, this similar, it wasn't the word testimony, but the similar question of, of what do you want to be known for? What do you want your life to count for? And so I had to give up those things. I had to give up the degree that was going to be really fancy. I had to give up the, the job that, that was going to bring me all the respect and pride that I, that I felt like I deserved and all that. But what it did um, is it counted for something. You see, there's a, uh, there's a hope in this next verse that we're going to look at now. Luke eleven thirty six. If thy whole body therefore be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. The key point is that it takes a purposeful decision to separate ourselves from darkness. And really, it probably takes a lot of decisions. One doesn't just transform your life in a day. But as God brings you in, along in your walk with God, and as he shows you things, we have to be quick to respond to those. And, and let's check out what this passage is saying, because it's not being redundant. Thy whole body, therefore, is full of light, no dark. The whole shall be full of light. Those are two different statements. The first one says, if thy whole body, therefore, be full of light. Remember how we said the light of the body is the eye? the way that we set our path, the, the body is going to go down it. And if your body is going down a path, if your arms and legs, the actions, the steps, the movements that you take, if the fruit of that is evidence of God working, it's a testimony that God is still working on earth, then man, if your body is doing it, then what, what you're going to see is that your whole entire life is going to shine forth God's light. Your soul and spirit, the conversations you have, Everything, everything about you, if you are wholly bought into the light, is going to be showing that light. As when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. There's going to be evidence of it. And here's where we look at and say, if, there, if you don't have evidence of your walk with God, then we ought to take careful heed on if our light is real after all. And it's going to take a decision. And I'm even one of those people that says, every time we hear a message like this, I think there's probably a decision that we can make in order to better follow God. If Paul was still saying among sinners whom I am chief or wretched man that I am present tense. If Paul was saying that, then my goodness, every time a message is preached where there's a call to action, I think I would be pretty foolish to consider myself above Paul and that I'm good. I'm pretty sure the light's doing me fine. I'm just doing great. You know, 
Man, that, God forbid. I think sometimes we get so focused on what we can get out of the word and what we can get out of our walk with God that we miss the chance to just dwell in it. I, I spent 15 years putting my walk with God on a chore list and I did all the things I was supposed to do. But I didn't have a desire to be in the word when it was already done. After my LFBI assignments, I didn't dig much deeper. I was, I, was, I, did, I was doing good. I already did the thing. I'm doing good. I have the light. I have proof. Check it out. If you don't ever find yourself desiring to meet with God outside of your chore list, you're absolutely missing the relationship that God has called you to. And you've traded the beautiful walk with God that he wants to give you for an instruction booklet. We can't let the responsibilities of, of a Martha lifestyle overlap the relationship that Mary had with Christ and that we can have with Christ. Um, so God didn't leave me hanging. I got to that point where I saw, hey, this sucks. I'm not doing this. When I get to heaven, nothing's going to be changed from my lifestyle. I'll have just been an impressive individual on earth. Um, it started with the school positions. It moved to the job and even the ministry that I'm in. God said, hey, I, I, he made it really clear to put me in children's ministry. Man, which is a humble ministry, but man, I, since God has done those things, once I quit trying to do things in my own way, in my own strength, I, I didn't care about the chore list. I'm just all about the mission that God has, which happens to be kids. Man, God started to provide fruit. Uh, you can, I mean, a lot of you guys know me. A lot of you guys have known me for years. I'm not an impressive individual, but man, gosh dang it, God is blessing the work we're doing at Kidtown. And I get to point at it and say, this is evidence that God works among humanity because God's working in me and I'm not perfect. But my goodness, whenever Renee and I decided that Kid Town was what we were going to do with our lives, kids started getting saved. Kids started getting baptized. We had seven fourth and fifth graders in a classroom of 11. Seven fourth and fifth graders decided they wanted to get baptized over the last couple of years. In a group of 11, our Bible studies, have, have, you know, they can get up to 11. Do we have? 75, man, God is working in Kidtown. And I, and I can't help but think of what would it look like if we all just decided that we were going to shine God's light no matter what. And we were going to get in the word when we didn't have to. And we were going to pray when we didn't have to, when it wasn't an obligation. What if we all got excited and decided to be about the work that God established at the beginning of the time? You see, um, this started in Genesis 1, right? Darkness moved upon the face of the deep, right? The, in Genesis 1, 2, darkness shows up. And then God's answer to that came the next verse. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. In each of our lives, there is darkness. Even if you're saved, man, there are things that we do not do right. But if we all single-heartedly, with, with all of the things, all the effort, all of the focus, all of the drive that we have, if we decide to be about what God has for us, what kind of a difference are we going to be able to make on this world? Man, I, I, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to finish up. But I wonder what would happen if we stopped asking, God, do you want me to give this up in exchange for more fruit? And we started asking, God, what can I give up? What can I get rid of in my life in exchange for a disciple, in exchange for a soul? If you ask God and say, God, do I have to give up my education? Oh, that's really important. My preferred degree will say, God, do I have to give up? the job that I really like 
God, what about this relationship? Do I have to give that up? No, he'll probably tell you no. He's not going to force you to. You have free will. But if you come to God and you say, God, can I switch my job in order to impact the kingdom more? God told me yes. God, can I forsake this, this, educate, this expensive education? And if I do that, God, can I, can I give that to you in exchange for souls? And God told me yes. I think if we're asking God, what do I have to do? How many chore list items do I have to make religious before I count for the kingdom? We're doing it wrong. But if we say, God, what can I give up to actually have an impact, to shine your light before humanity, to be proof that the almighty God of heaven and earth still cares about the children of men? It can be hid. And, and I honestly think that FOI, man, that's a place for God to do it. All nations. That's where we want to be. This all starts with Christ. Before there was light, there was darkness. Our default is to walk in darkness, and it takes a decision, a conscious decision, in order for us to walk in the light. And the only answer, the only way that we have to do this is through Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.12 says we're to give thanks, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet made us appropriate, we hit the mark, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. He delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us in the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. If this whole conversation of darkness and light is new to you, and if you're thinking, I, I don't qualify as perfection, I don't have that perfect relationship with Christ, I've, I've got sin in my life, and if you've never had that prayer, that relationship, that conversation with Jesus and resolving that, then, hey, guess what? Tonight's the night to do that. This is, this is the evening where you get to decide to count for something, not only in this earth, but, but to live with Christ for eternity. If you haven't accepted Christ's gift to pay for your sins, then, then man, that's your takeaway. That's what, that's what God has for you tonight. And even if you have, let's, let's take some time to consider our lives. Let's take some time to, to look and see what not what does, do we have to give up, but what can we offer to God in exchange for the light? What other priorities could we possibly have that would prevent us from shining the light of a deep living relationship with Christ? We're going to take some time to pray. We're going to take some time to be quiet, but meet with your Bible study leaders tonight. Meet with a, meet with a counselor if you have something that you know that God is asking you to do a change, Right? Because after all, the command is to take heed, watch out. Because if you don't make that conscious decision, then what we're going to do is we're going to have a light denying the power thereof. So let's take a moment. Let's consider. Let's all eyes closed, all heads bowed. I'm going to pray. And we're going to take a couple minutes to transition to our small group time. God, we're grateful for the gift of Christ. We're grateful that we have access to the light. And God, we don't want to waste it. Lord, see your servants in this room. Help us to serve to serve you, to, to choose to serve you and not mammon, to choose this day whom we will serve, and it's the God of heaven and earth. And God, let us glorify your name and, and be proof that there is a God and He does work in mankind because of the, the testimony, the lifestyle, the evidence, the light that is in all of us. God, show us if there be any wicked way in us. 
show us what our next step is, and then God, give us the, give us the strength to take it. 